welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. I want to talk to you guys about one of his names that um, he meets me at a lot with, and that's Yahweh Shalom. That's one of the most more famous names of God, the Lord our peace. Um, and it's again back to that the character, the names of God that speak about his character, his attributes, who he is. And he's the unchanging one. So if he's been that to somebody else, it means that this is who he is and he will not change. So actually, um, he's that to you. But in everything that you guys are learning and everything that um, you guys are hearing, your picture of God is of utmost importance. He knows who he is, and whether you believe the right thing about God or not doesn't change anything about the truth of who God is, okay? However, it changes how you relate to him and how actually, in some weird sense, he relates to you. Um, what I mean by that is... God said to the people of Israel, um, where was that? Where was that? In Numbers 14, he says in, in verse 28, um, tell them, um, as I live, says the Lord, um, if I would not do to you how you have spoken before my ears. So it's, it's almost this thing of, who do you say your God is? Because that's how you are going to encounter him. Um, people that are constantly out seeking um, spiritual warfare, say, oh, there's curses and there's this, they'll find the curses. But people that know that Jesus is bigger than that, they walk in another reality. Um, there's, you know, the parables of the talents where... Um, you know, the master gives five to one talent to the servants. You know that one, yeah? You need to nod a bit. Okay, and then the one that um, invests five makes ten. The one that um, has two makes four or five. And then the one buries the talent. And then actually when his master asks him about it, he says, now nowhere else does it say anything about the character of the master, Okay. Actually, it must be quite a trusting master to give all these talents, all that money to people and say, work with it. But the one that, the one that buried the talent said, I knew that you were a hard taskmaster. You would reap where you did not sow. That's why I was afraid of you. The picture that the one servant had of God was you are mean. You are not fair. You cannot be trusted. You are not out for my good, but you're out for your own good. And that's why I'm going to relate, I'm going to withdraw from you. And then God says, actually, if you think that I'm that wicked, this is how I'm going to relate to you. Isn't that weird? To the ones that made more money, he says, um, in another parallel, says, you will be put over ten cities. You shall be put over five cities. It's like, you know, go into, come in into the joy of your master. 
And it's this thing about you will you will encounter God in your life in the way that you know him to be. Whether that's true or not, that will be your experience of God. And that's why it's so important to actually know the truth about him. Otherwise, we will constantly walk and in, in our experience will kind of reaffirm that lie about God. Yeah, he is mean. Yeah, he is out to get you. Yeah, there's always a curse. Yeah, that's why Jesus had to come because people forgot who the father was. And uh, it's like, guys, you're worshiping the wrong God. He's not like this. Look at me. This is how he is. He does not remember your sins. He forgives. He doesn't cast the poor stone. He is not here to judge, but to redeem. He's the one that lays down his life for his friends. That's your God. So, you know, all these, the names now, the attributes of God, it's not just, oh, isn't that nice for Timo or something. You need to really allow Holy Spirit to let those things change the way you see God. Because that's how he's going to encounter you. Does it make sense? It's basically the shades of your, um, of your glasses that are defining how you see God. So, Yahweh Shalom, the Lord, our peace. Okay, there's um, the story in Judges 6, the story about Gideon. Do you know the story about Gideon? A little bit. He's one of the judges. He was raised up. An amazing thing. Um, he, was, he, was a, he was a very timid guy. Uh, he had very he had a lot of issues and we're going to talk about this maybe another time where I talk about warfare spiritual warfare and all that but um, he he was he was the least of his family his family was the least in his tribe and the tribe wasn't an important one in Israel and now there he is and and the um Israel is occupied by um, by foreign countries and they come in and they raid Israel whenever there's harvest time. So Israel is just harvesting it and the people just wait until they're done harvesting and then they come in and steal everything that Israel did. And so Gideon was hiding in the wine press actually to to thresh the wheat. So he's, he's doing this and he's just, you can really picture him just angry with God angry with life and all this sucks and everything is shit and what am I doing here? And then the angel of the Lord comes. Um, and then and then the way Gideon responds to the angel, he doesn't even understand that it's an angel. I love this. He's like, Get, the angel of the Lord comes and says, peace be with you, you mighty man of valor. Or you victorious one. Yeah. So Gideon is here, he's hiding because he's afraid. He doesn't actually have a weapon, or he's not a strong guy. Yeah, He's basically, well, he is a loser hiding away. Um, and has, has um, borderline depression. And then, and then the angel comes and gives him another perspective and says, you mighty one, you, you victorious warrior. And the very first thing that Gideon says to him is like, really? Really gives him a bit of attitude. It's like, if the Lord is with us, then why did all this happen to us? If the Lord is so good, then why are we um, under siege? And he's just giving the angel a lot of attitude, which is very dangerous. Because, um, yeah, some other people did that in the Bible and they didn't live through that experience. So he's just, you know, he's doing this. And then eventually, um, 
Gideon goes away and says, all right, I think he still doesn't understand who is sitting in front of him, but he somehow goes away and prepares um, a meal for him. And then the angel touches the, um, the bowl of food with his, with his staff. And it's like a magic trick. It just goes up in flames and everything disappears. The food, the bowl, and the angel, all gone. And then Gideon realizes, Whoa! this has been an angel of the Lord. And I am still alive. Yeah. So, um, then the angel of the Lord, then, then Gideon goes on this journey with God. And he becomes, God actually gives him a different name. He's not called Gideon anymore. He's called Jerubal. Jerubal. The one who contends with Baal. You know, Baal was one of the gods there, and God says to him, Gideon, you's gonna, you are going to be somebody who takes on the status quo. You are going to be somebody who says to all the gods that other people are worshipping, come on, bring it on. I know who's the real God. You're going to be somebody who's going to be able to stand up when everybody else is afraid. Um... And then, and then there's the fleece story. You know, God, if this is really you, let the earth be dry and that fleece be wet. Next day, exactly like that, it happens. And then he's like, mm, um, God, if it's really you, let the earth be wet and the fleece be dry. And the next morning, it's exactly like that. And eventually he's like, all right, let's do this. So he, he goes to town. He takes down the, um, the idol in his father's house um, at first. And then he is just there's a couple of other things other tasks and victories that god has for him but in judges 6 24 um at the end of one of those victories um it just says gideon build an altar there and the altar even the altar is called the lord is our peace and that shalom that peace is not just the absence of war it's not just oh today nobody bugged me that peace is that can be best described as paradise that's what that peace shalom is paradise shalom is that wholeness the oh if i die now i'm a happy man shalom is the health around you is the, the health in your relationship. The, um, it's the fullness. It's the well-being. It's the wholeness. It's being okay with God and man. It's um, having healthy relationships, having peace and being still and relaxed. It's just that shalom, this, ah, oh, life couldn't be any better. That's what shalom is. Just being filled to the overflow with goodness in every aspect of life. So the word peace doesn't even come close to what God thinks it is. Does, does that make sense? It's just when he says shalom to you, when God says peace be with you, when we talk about the peace of God, it's not just the so people leave you alone. It's the, I want you to be well in every aspect of your life. Um, so back to when the angel of the Lord first comes to Gideon. And he calls him, Gideon, this is in verse 12, chapter 6, verse 12. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. You victorious one. You mighty warrior. It's... 
it's us need, need, we need to understand that the way God sees us is so different from what we see ourselves as even from other what other people see us in the way God sees us he sees us through the perfect perfect um, representation of Christ and that's why he's just like he can he can call you as what you don't even see in yourself yet um, and God is so this is it blows my mind God is so secure in his own ability that he doesn't even look at the circumstances or that he doesn't look at you but he can say actually I am inside of you and that's why you are going to be victorious God is so secure in himself um, it's just he can do anything and there's that fear in Gideon's heart and so God comes as peace there's that anxiety there's the uh, I'm, I'm feeling left alone I'm just uh, nobody sees me God has forgotten about me and so God comes in as the peace as exactly what Gideon needs right now you think like in a situation like that he would Gideon would need courage or Gideon would need I don't know authority or something how peace this is life as a dad welcome to the party <laughs> The thing is, when you walk in God's peace, you can see things more clearly than you, um, than if you're stressed, if you're anxious, if you're under pressure. And that's why um, in Colossians 3.15, Paul um, prays and says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And uh, another translation says, let the peace of God, uh, Christ, guard your hearts. This is Philippians um, 4, which transcends all understanding. The peace, the, that, the, thing that, the thing that God places in front of your heart is his peace. It's, it's like a guardian. It's like, um, it's like a bouncer at a nightclub. And, and that's, that's the peace of God that he puts around your mind and around your heart. And he says, actually, for you to be able to walk in the wholeness that I have for you, you need to, you, you cannot allow yourself any other thoughts in your mind except the ones that are God's thoughts. Bill Johnson has this all, he, he says it really well, he says, I cannot afford to have any other thoughts about me in my head, but the ones that God has about me. It's that sort of thing. You see yourself in a certain way. I can do this, I can't do this, you know your limitations, but God sees you a bit differently. And the thing often, where he challenges you to step into new things. Timo, where you think about, actually now it's time to step into some, I don't know, leadership. And I'm starting to daydream about actually um, being able to come alongside other people and leading them on. There's a peace that is needed that will keep you calm, even when some of those situations are, don't go well. It's not always courage that people need, even though that's really important as well. I'm all for courage. Um, but, but just because somebody's confident or somebody can talk a lot doesn't mean that people will come and listen. But if they come around you and they feel the peace of God, 
This is what literally, this is what everybody's longing for, is that place where they feel accepted, where they feel they can be themselves. And, uh, and that's why Jesus actually says when he sends, sends out the disciples, says, look for those men of peace. He says, there's people... Hi. This is Lana, my oldest one, and Emma, my middle one. And they're all eating. What are you guys eating? Mice. 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 <laughs> all right. Not real mice. Oh, oh. What do you think? I just need you, though. Cool again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what do you hear, ma'am? You can do this a bit, Shanti. Hold on, buddy. So, where was I? Peace. Peace, peace, peace. Um, trust me, you will gather so many people around you when they feel the peace of God inside of you. And, um, and you will not feel comfortable with somebody who doesn't carry the peace of God. You, you can feel that. There's just something isn't quite right. It's like, ah, oh, it's not even stress or anything. It's just, it's just, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like home. <clears throat> He is your peace. He's the one that that can encourage you. He's the one that says, um, when it comes to the decisions that you need to make after the school is over and you go back home to Germany and you need to make some decisions. And he's actually challenging you. This is happening with Jonas, one of the previous students um, of my destiny. That he's, God is challenging him at the moment in work to step out into something that he's just not comfortable doing. And, uh, and he, he has the support from Mary, his wife, and, uh, and which cheering him on. But it's the peace of God in his heart that is the deciding factor. First of all, whether he deep down whether he knows yes this is God or no and with everything that I, I'm always telling people let the peace of God this is Philippians 4 let the peace of God be the referee in your heart the referee decides whoop this is right he has his little um, whistle and the referee says this is this is right this is wrong this is a foul this is still okay it's the referee that says yes or no and so often in the midst of our circumstances, or if you have too many good choices, or just too many bad choices, and you're so worried about making any decisions, because what if it's the wrong one? There's the peace of God, which it's like it's like that one voice that cuts through everything in your life, and you don't even your head doesn't even need to understand why, but your spirit, man, your heart will understand. There's peace on this decision. I just need to do this. It doesn't make sense financially. It doesn't make sense in terms of my circumstances or whatever. But there's peace on this one. And this is the one that I need to take. Um, it's, but it's a skill. It's an art for you guys to learn to listen to that voice of peace. There's, um, 
There's a story. When I was in Toronto, I um, I was a student for five months, and then I was um, a small group leader there for another year, for another two schools. And as small group leaders, we, we got paid, but we also had to pay for our flights to outreach and, and other bits. And so one day in, in our office, there's a petition going round um, where everybody could sign to say that we think it's unfair that we have to pay for outreach and uh, since we don't get paid much anyways, um, we think we should be um, yeah, getting it for free. So everybody, so there's a clipboard with all the names um, and they just went around the office and uh, people started signing it. And the person that instigated all of this, she was from South Africa. Now South Africans, they're very harsh and very abrupt. They are, they're the opposite to the English politeness, yeah? They're just, they're right in your face. You should be doing this um, with a very scary accent. So um, there's this girl and she collects all these um, all these signatures from from everybody. So now we're an office of probably 12, 13 people, and I can see as the clipboard goes around and everybody's signing, and I just don't feel peace. I don't have a good argument. I don't know why I shouldn't or anything like this, but when it comes to me, I just said, look, sorry, I just can't sign it. And then she stands there. Yeah, I'm sitting, she stands there. This is intimidating. And then she shoves it in my face and is like, come on, team, sign it. Everybody sign. I'm like, ah. Now there's peer pressure. But it's not just bad peer pressure. This is all good people. These are all spirit-filled. Um, these are my friends. These are co-workers. These are some people that are more mature, more spiritual than I am. And yet I feel somehow there's the peace is missing in this. I just don't feel right about this. I didn't need to know why. And that's often, you don't need to know everything about it in order to make the right one. Um, so long story short, the next day comes and everybody, all the staff get called into the office because the director of the school is very, very, very hurt and angry. Uh, it's a big deal. And there's there's only one other girl and me. We didn't sign the petition. So everybody gets called into the office, but the girl and me, we get to sit outside. And I'm so happy. I'm just sitting out there, and um, I'm just thanking God. And you know what? This is because he was he was just really hurt how this how it went about, um, that there was no honor in that communication. Um, so it was a long story, and it got all solved. But as I was sitting out there, and everybody apologized to him, so oh, we're really sorry, and uh, all of that. I was just so happy that God spared me all of this simply by understanding that there wasn't peace on that decision. I didn't need to understand the consequences. Like, what if I do this, and if I do that, then you just, this is me still trying to figure out whether it's right or wrong. Actually, trusting God, sometimes I understand the consequences. Sometimes I don't. But it's just that deep down it's like, yeah, this is right. No, this is wrong. This is the choice that you will have to make when you come when it comes to choosing um, which job you want to take, which university you want to go to, which church you're going to go to. Um, you get invited to, hey, you should be speaking on a Sunday. It's, Woo -woo, this is a great opportunity. But if there's no peace, don't say yes to it. 
It's just let the peace of God guard your heart. It's the most precious commodity you have. It's himself. He is your peace. When it comes to girlfriends, it's another big thing, guys. Because when you're in love and you're, you're just, you think, oh, you can't stop thinking about this girl and she's the most beautiful one and she's anointed and she plays guitar and she preaches, incredible. And she is hot as hell and you just, oh, this is the girl. Yeah. And then you're trying to listen to God and you journal and all you can hear is, yes, she is the woman for I have for you. And you're just like, I'm not sure if I make this up or not. What I always counsel people is, it's, it's really hard to listen to God the more emotions are involved. But it's the peace in it all that you can trust. You don't need to know why. And she might be the best looking girl, and she might be just crazy anointed, and it might even go well for a couple of months, or even for the rest of your life, but God says, this is, this is not for you. You feel it. Just, no. And um, so it's it's that let the let the peace of God guard your heart and mind in Christ. It is really it's like it's your safety net. Trust that peace. Learn how to listen to that voice of peace. And it's a skill as well. Sometimes you will want to make a decision, and then you don't even know why it's wrong. But the peace of God, all of a sudden, <laughs> will keep you from doing this because you just know, ah, if I would continue with this choice now, I would actually violate somehow God. I don't understand why, but the peace just tells me, don't do it. That's who He is. He's God out peace. Does it make sense? Is that it should be really simple. Jesus is so simple that kids can understand him. Yeah, he's so complicated that he can have five doctor's degrees and you still don't understand him. So that's why I think Yahweh Shalom is it's so incredible that he just made it so easy for us. Hey, that he made it so easy for us to have relationship with him. Look at that. He's he's so interested in you succeeding, and it's and with Yahweh Shalom is also an aspect of tr of trust, because um, when we say why to God, often we don't actually want to understand. Why, why this or the consequences of this decision? Often we want to give God a chance to change his mind. Yeah, this is what my kids do often to me. It's like, Papa, can we get some sweets? It's like, no. Why? They don't want to understand about uh, dinners in half an hour. They don't want to understand about what, how bad sugar is for your body and all of this. They just actually want me to change my mind. Says, so why, Papa? Why? If I ask you a couple more times, will you change your mind? And if, if you don't give me the right answer, I'm going to go to Mama and I'm going to ask her and see if she gives me some sweets. Yeah, That betrays our hearts, the way we talk to God often. God does something and we ask Him, why? Well, we actually are accusing Him and saying, God, I would do it differently. But by asking you why, I'm going to give you a chance to change your mind again. Yeah, This is God. I'm in love with this girl. I should marry her. And God's the peace is not there. And you're like, why? And uh, so it's actually not trying to understand why she's not the right one. You're actually trying to convince God that he made a mistake. 
And, uh, and with trusting God, with just working in that, with that peace, there is, um, there, there is this aspect of trust where you don't need to understand why this is a bad decision. All you need to know that this is a bad decision. And it might look a certain way to you, but if your father puts his peace on it or takes his peace away from it, trust that. The, the, the tree in the garden, Eden, that was so detrimental was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil made Adam and Eve the judge of this is good, this is bad. And this is how we still make decisions. Give me all the facts and I decide whether this is good or whether this is bad. Now there's also godly wisdom. But sometimes you're just not clever enough to foresee all the things that are coming in the future. But God knows. And he is your peace. And then he just, he, he allows you to look really, really clever simply by trusting him. And people will watch your life and say, how come you've always known how to make the right decision? It's almost like you know the future. But you don't. And you don't even need to know what's around the corner. All you need to know is this is a good decision. This is a bad decision because of the peace. I don't need, I don't know where it's going to go. Like in, in terms of university, like which thing, where should I go? What should I study? Go with a piece. God knows who you're going to meet there. God knows the subjects that you get. It's just like he just orchestrates everything already. And he, it's almost sometimes he's saying it's, it would be way too complicated to explain it all to you. I'm just going to tell you, just do this one. Just trust me. Yeah, this is the piece. Just, just, just do that one. And if we have learned to walk in that trust, true sonship, just like Jesus says, God, not my will, but your will. I don't understand this right now, or I would prefer to do something else. But I trust my dad that he knows what's best for me. This is Yahweh Shalom. He is your peace. So, um, I guess my homework for you guys it's just learn to trust that voice and to actually because the peace is always there that voice is always speaking but I think sometimes we've learned to or we haven't learned to listen to it we've kind of learned to listen to our reason more than the peace of God it's like we always make a pro and contra list and we we try to understand things because we will be the ones that will have to give account yeah, you make a decision now, and your parents are asking you, why have you made that decision? Yeah, you need to give them a good explanation, a good reason. Um, and say, oh, I think God told me so. Sometimes isn't enough or doesn't feel enough. But And that's why I think so often we haven't learned to listen to the voice of peace. But the only time where actually God enc in, encourages reasoning is when he's um, when he's arguing with Job. Do you know the story of Job? It's it, Job is just 
complaining to God. And he's like, God, this is not fair, blah, blah, blah. And then his friends say, Job, you must have hidden sin in your life. This is like Christians today. Yeah, you know, you're cursed, so therefore you should be repenting, blah, blah, blah. And then Job is saying, no, I'm innocent. Um, blah, and it's, God is just vengeful or he's just something. And then God is like, all right, Job, you want to fight? You get a fight. And he encourages him, come reason with me. Just, just give me your best argument, and then I'm going to give you mine. And he's like, where were you when I laid them with the earth? Do you know this? Do you know that? Have you held the Leviathan in your hand? It's just it's crazy stuff that God says. I love this. But this is the only time where God is actually saying, all right, you want a good argument? I'll give you a good argument. Every other time, he actually is discouraging us from putting too much trust in our reasoning. He's like, don't trust but put your trust in him. You don't need to understand everything because you can't. You don't know what's coming tomorrow. But you have his peace today and that's enough. And this is going to be the right way. This is going to be the right decision. All right. I'm, I'm just repeating this one point. But this, is, this point, honestly, will save your life. It will keep you from so much heartache. It will keep you from making this, um, mistakes that will cost you or will cost people around you. It will keep you from relationships breaking down because you will go with where the peace is, where God is. Yeah? Yes. <sighs> cool. I think this is me done for today. God, our peace. He's Yahweh Shalom. Enjoy him. Do you have any questions? About my kids? <laughs> They're coming, running in and out. Uh, not really. <laughs> I mean, That's it's... Okay. Yeah, I think it's... In the big decisions, it is the most time easy to trust in the peace but I think it's just often the question when is uh, the start of that a question is big enough that I need to search for my trust do you understand what I mean my question is why do you keep two separate lives one where you do ask God and one where you don't ask God <laughs> no I mean it's it's just um I mean, I, I don't ask God if I should go to Aldi or Tesco. Why don't you? No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, where's the, the I, question big enough that I should really start to ask God? Um, that's maybe, again, I don't... I think maybe God is inviting you to a different way of doing life. And that's one of constant journeying with Him. And on the journey, if he wants to change your path, you're on the journey together so he can let you know. So even if you go into Aldi, and yeah, it's, who cares where you shop? But sometimes God's like, but I've got somebody for you at Tesco. I think today we need to go to Tesco. So he'll just know. It's just, it's that learning to do life with him in every aspect. And not just coming to him with a problem, but because coming to him, that kind of implies that right now you're not with him. And, I, and you know you're always with him, but, but in just 
in how you do life? Is it, are you journeying with him together? Or are you journeying and every now and then you come and ask him a question and he gives you good advice and then you keep on journeying again. And so for me, that would be more my, my thing of, it doesn't matter whether it's a big or small question. It's that it's a question of actually journeying with God together. Thank you for listening to the iDestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.